I got love for you, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that, out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. Back to the Cabbie Presents podcast. I'm your host, Cabbie Richards. This is the first time we're doing a part two with a guest because this man has so much knowledge, so many great stories, and a healthy slice of history that we felt we should share with you. So we shall, in part two, with a very good friend of mine who joins me in the studio right now. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. Mastermind returns, the curator of my high school years <laughs> as far as the soundtrack goes because I was a huge consumer of the music that he put out via mixtapes and I would travel from Cambridge, Ontario, one hour east to Toronto and I would go to play the record every month and buy one of two Mastermind mixtapes, either the hip-hop tape or the R&B tape. He returns. Yo, you went to school in Cambridge, or you yeah, from Cambridge? Oh, no, I went to school. Because like, I remember we, your parents we, are in Brampton. Well, my parents live in Brampton, but they're yeah. from the islands. But they, we moved to Cambridge when I was twelve, right. from Toronto. And how much older am I than you? Uh, I think one or two years. So I was in high school when you were in high school then. Uh, I think. Well, I was in, I don't know if I want to give my age on this thing. All right. But I'm just saying, you're making me sound stupid old when you're like, the curator of my high school years. Yeah, but that doesn't, hey, listen, there was always like one older brother in the crew had like, got like the best tapes. Got like, was the first one to get Boogie Down Production. The right. first one to get uh, Public Enemy. Right. Intelligent Hoodlum. Right. Got the friggin'. Um, Look at you giving your, your resume of hip hop. Instinctive Travels. <laughs> 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 the Tribe Called was like, there's always one guy who's like, older brother had all the tapes right so you know that just means you're just the older brother all right i hear you so the last time we spoke we got up to 99 99 hey before we did that mm. did you change your passwords yeah, yeah, yeah. you changed I, all your I, passwords not all i changed the google because there was what it was a google facebook uh what was did, that what was that book of heart heart bleed i think i changed my facebook recently i think i did i did google facebook I didn't change Yahoo because I'm like, ah, oh, it's my friggin' my fantasy pools. Like, um, I don't care if you grab my fantasy pool information. <clears throat> I really I, don't care if somebody grabs my Facebook. I got that, Facebook is whatever. I'll go make. A, I'll it, make a new page. <laughs> but I think in that, like, it, they could maybe. I mean, who knows how the how the the passwords will be used or whatever. But I guess if you have any financial information on there, which I doubt you would, because you're not that dumb. Look at me being so nonchalant. Next thing I know, like they they've stolen my identity. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like 70 of you in Europe like your IDs yeah, are freaking yeah, yeah. everywhere um, so okay so you did change your passwords at least on Gmail I did for a fact 
Well, okay, Gmail is also YouTube and and Google. But I'm saying my Google, I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we last time we were at 99. Yeah. And in year 99. 1999. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. And then um, what happened in 1999? All right. So other well, than the Y2K <laughs> scare. Right. Well, I was making mixtapes uh, probably from 90 end of 93. I think I didn't. We didn't really establish how, it's, but. People kept asking me for tapes. Because you were doing the radio show. I was doing a radio show, and they're like, yo, just make me a tape, make me a tape. And um, it kind of started with the dudes from Two Black Guys, which is uh, a, it used to be a clothing store that was a Bathurst and... I think King. Bloor. No, it was Bathurst oh. and Bloor-ish. Big it up. Big, Big it, up. it up. Big it up. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the guys from Two Black Guys, who I was friends with at the time, were like, yo, make us tapes. All my friends were like, make us tapes, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start making tapes. So started out, I did 10. Then it turned into 20. And I would put them in, I think it was only like a couple of places. How do you places. record your show? Uh, it wasn't my show. I would actually make a tape at home. So oh, I, would, okay. I would mix the 60-minute or the 90-minute tape at home, type out the songs on a computer and print that out oh, multiple times and just cut it out and put it in the sleeve. What was the home computer that you had? Back then, just a PC. Just okay. Yeah, just a regular. You PC. weren't on Team Apple. Nah, back then. not back then. But I remember my first email was mastermind at globalserve.net. <laughs> and it was like the dial-up business. Of and all course that. it was. It was right? screaming in your room. Yeah. The friggin' modem. It was it like 14, 14.4 or 28.8. <laughs> See, now you're speaking Chinese to me. I have no idea. But those were the original modems, and then it was, or maybe it was even like a seventy. 200 or 9600 I think was uh, like maybe the first one. I don't know. But, but you anyway. can actually see a picture of my room. I think it's on my, my Twitter page, like the background or whatever. You can see the hip-hopness of my room oh, back then. Oh, you had then. like posters and stuff? What? Oh, you're lucky, man. Oh, dude, my room looks you're super hip-hop. Um, my so dad you, never let me put anything on the walls. Like, no, you're going to put holes in the walls. I'm like, uh, it's my room. Dude, I was in the basement, so uh, it, was, it was like... Again, even luckier. Yeah, man, it was it was pretty good. It's was that the, the Smash House? Uh, it turned into <laughs> uh, after a while, um, but that's another story. I remember my dad walked in one time. Oh, ah! good God! Well, get us back to the mixtapes. But, but okay, but then what was what was the, there? Must have been a conversation either in the car. Never was, about was, that. Yeah, dude, it was pops walked in. We froze, and. He walked back out like Homer Simpson. You know when Homer walks into the bushes? Yeah. He did that, shut the door, and we have never spoke about it. Ever. But, wh okay, what f what form of nakedness were you in? Oh, dude, she was on top. Oh, was it completely naked? Oh, butt-ass naked. And then we froze. So she froze. It was like it was like the end of, a, you know, the freaking police squad TV. <laughs> Everybody froze, but we weren't frozen. And uh, she was mortified. Oh, my of God. Of course. Of course she was. Like, it she was like, I can't go back to your house We're again. We're still together. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You wow. know, and to, to footnote that story... We also got caught by my son. He walked in oh and I was one time. Goodness. So we got oh, we dude. got best of both worlds. <laughs> you generational yeah. uh, trauma. Yes, yes. <laughs> Therapy for both generations. <laughs> oh man. All right, so I, people were asking me for mixtapes. I uh, started off small. But when I got my job at Energy, which was the big commercial station, Energy 108, I kind of said I, I can take this bigger. Now people are going to want what I'm serving basically. Um, and so that's when it branched out. So there was, you know, a place in Hamilton. I think there was a place in London. Um, there was out, out east. I think I had a place in um, Pickering or Ajax. How's it go? Pickering, Oshawa, Ajax? 
uh, going from uh, east. east to or west to east yeah. out of Toronto. Like Pickering, I know, Pickering, first. Ajax, Whitby, Oshawa. Okay, so I think it was in Ajax. Okay. Oshawa's the furthest? I nah, think, I, yeah. You're bugging, really? I think so. Okay, so anyway, it was one of those Someone places. will correct us via right. Twitter when they hear this. <laughs> this is some GT, so the Durham region just outside of Toronto. And then I had, you know, the Brampton, I had Saga, I had everything in between covered. And then I got even more popular. I had some guy in Vancouver, I had somebody in Winnipeg. So these are all retailers or retailers, barber shops that were selling your mixtapes. There was, you know, one guy. Actually, this is an interesting story. The kid in Winnipeg. His name was Sharath. Uh, found me, huge fan. Um, probably bought my tapes at a place in Edmonton or someplace. I had a place in Edmonton and Calgary as well. Um, called me up. He said he wanted to sell my tapes. Um, young, ambitious kid. You know, hip hop head. Um, and in some of those cities, this was like their only outlet. Of course, for getting you know the hip hop that I was putting on the tapes. I mean, you could always buy albums. But this, the rate at stuff that I was getting, because I was actively going to New York, I had great relationships with the record labels and uh, with the artists. So I was getting records and CDs and dats and acetates. I was getting stuff way before anybody. And that's kind of what my claim to fame was. If you wanted to hear new music, you listen to my show, you bought my mixtapes, you would get all of that. So this kid called me up. We became close. He was selling my tapes for years. He ended up being the guy who founded... Hip Hop DX. Oh, the website. Yeah. Oh wow. I remember I, I he didn't called know a Canadian me. dude started that. Kid from Winnipeg. Wow. Sharath Cherry, and he hit me. I remember when he came up with the name because he was a huge wrestling fan too, <laughs> and that's where the DX came from. Right. So what was the group? It, wasn't it from the other league, not WWF? <coughs> no, it was. <coughs> pardon me. It was WWE. It was uh, Triple H, Road Dogg. Some other dude. What was their, what was the their, Generation X they Generation were. X, right. I thought right? that was in the NWO, but anyway. Not, they went there. Oh, they did? Yeah, you know when the whole thing was going back and forth. But they started in WWE. Oh, uh, okay. And that's so when I they really do the X on their crotches? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I right. remember when he called me and he's like, yeah, I'm going to make this website. It's called uh, Hip Hop DX. I said, you're going to go with DX, dude? Like, it's the flavor of the month right now. Like, Why wouldn't you want to go with something that's going to have a little more... You know longevity to it. You know what happens when DX ain't no, you know, longer in the WWE. He goes, no, I really like that name. Anyhow, it's still around. Yeah, he sold it. I think he became a millionaire. He lives in LA or something. Wow. And uh, he used to sell my mixtapes. Oh, good for you, Sharath. Yes. Shout out to that. So dude. a little bit, a little bit of uh, behind the scenes history for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So you had, so you were getting all kinds of music first. Oh yeah. And then giving it to the people. So then, uh, uh, at at its highest. Peak, what was like? What was your like monthly revenue? What was your like? Oh, the revenue. <laughs> can can the CRA come after me at this point? I don't think so. Is there a limit? A statute yeah, of limitations? Seven years. Seven years. After seven years, you're good. All right, cool. Um, I don't know. Like, cause you're literally just setting cassette tapes. Five, five grand, six grand. I was making just off the tapes, and I was still DJing. I was still whatever I was earning. Of course. And then you're doing like parties. I remember you had like, did, how many Carabanas did you do? Probably I only my own specific party. I probably only did about three or four max. I, didn't you do one at the Armory? Did you do one at the no, Armory? I, once? I DJed at the Armory, yeah, but it wasn't I, my party. That was a great party. That though. was at Jarvis and shoot, Jarvis and Queen ish. It's between, Jarvis and Dundas, something like that. There was a huge space. It was I, like ten thousand people. There. Yeah, I, I, I went to that one. I think it was like a hundred bucks. The Caravana for people that don't know is like this Cari annual Caribbean festival. It's been taking place in Toronto for over thirty years. A million people come into the city. It's one of our biggest events. Yeah, and uh, and like for for. 
party goers, the tickets you'd always get jacked at the door. You'd have to buy your New tickets. New Year's and Caravan is when the prices go up. Oh right? my gosh! Like that. But, but in certain instances, it was worth the jacking of the price because, and if you're talking about the Armory Party, it was worth. You know, whatever they put, I feel they like charge. it was what, like 98, 97 maybe? It was 96 or 97 96, for sure. 97, yeah. I remember if this is the same party, I think we made, I actually made mixtapes to promote this party. It was, uh, there was about five or six huge DJs on the bill, like you know, not to say that I was huge or anything, but besides me, there was a, a other crews on there as well, and it was fun that night. But it was also a lot of egos because it, because it was so packed and it was so hype, everybody wanted to get prime time, and those you right. know, you'd yeah, be yeah. DJing and some guy from the other crew would go on the mic and try to steal your limelight and all that stuff. Um, but it was fun, and if you were there, you probably remember it being fun. How does it work? Does everybody get like forty-five minutes, or everybody get uh, an hour? I don't remember at the time, but yeah, most of us were all friends, so we would kind of go in and just split it up. And some guys, you know, there's some DJs that were actually involved in the promotion, so at the end of the day, they were going to go home with a shitload of money, so they didn't care so much yeah. about DJing and shining. Some other guys, and I was never really a promoter, so I would get my flat fee plus my time to shine. So, but at some point, I became jaded with fighting with dudes and I was like if you want to you know just do your thing at the end of the day as long as I get paid and I go home I don't care right um, but then there were some parties that you would do for free just because it would be fun back then I used to DJ it was fun the people ask me how come I don't DJ anymore it's I don't really enjoy it anymore like really it's not the parties now you know when you have to go and play all this like Ty Dolla Sign and, <laughs> and, and the crap that I don't like but people, for some reason, are gravitating towards it. I don't enjoy those. But if DJ X decided to do, who is a, another longtime hip-hop guy in the city, for people who don't know, if he decided to do a live at the barbecue reunion, which was one of his big, uh, long-standing uh, events, that's a party I would go do because I know who would come to it, what kind of people would come to it, what I would get to play is the stuff I want to listen to, and people would have fun. I think the version of that is the nostalgia parties that uh, Agile... Agile does, and I think Amnesia would be yeah, one. Amnesia, like, sorry, yeah, Amnesia, yeah, 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 that's Scratch's thing. Amnesia, is Scratch. Mm-hmm. So I think Nostalgia is Agile or uh, remember Edson? Yes, Taboo. Taboo. Yeah, he, I think he was. He's one of those two that. So yeah, those are similar. Right. Offshoots of the the live at the barbecue that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So 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 they would play a certain genre, a certain era of music. So live at the barbecue. Are you talking like early '90s? Like yeah, for sure. Live at the barbecue started probably '90 when the song came out. So '91, '92. Main source or featuring Nas. Who I have a quick Nas. Oh no, I told my Nas story last time. My new awkward moment. No, I don't think you did. did I didn't tell. Okay, yeah. I'll tell that story in a bit. All right. Um. So 91, and he was doing them, you know, it was like monthly or something, and it yeah. turned into these big events. And the last one we did was probably in 07. He flew, well, I was still in Calgary, and he flew me up from Calgary. We had this big reunion. Oh, I remember, at the at the, at the Drake, Drake Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, Dude, it was yeah, so yeah. much fun. It was just so much fun. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that was the first time I had DJed in a long time. I remember being nervous, and I still went on. I did great. I had fun. Do you, vinyls or just off your No, that was the whatever. very, I actually went and bought a computer to play that party, because I never spun in couple of years, few years. I had sold all my records in 04. You know, the Serato wave happened and I didn't jump on because I didn't really care. I was considered myself retired. But he called me, he wanted me to do this event. I literally went and bought a laptop and learned how to play on Serato for that event. Oh my gosh. I was super nervous. 
I can imagine. But I had dudes around me that are very well about well versed, and because of our rapport and our relationships, they you know they 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 had the kid gloves on with me that night, and I, I spun. I had fun. It was good. Um. Okay. So ninety nine. Yes. So I've been making mixtapes since from ninety four, and now we're at ninety nine. So I got a huge fan base. I'm selling a lot of tapes on a monthly basis. Uh, my show is really successful, and I have a great relationship with the record labels and the artists to the point where. They're coming to me saying, can you put this song onto your mixtape? We need to get this song out there and your mixtapes are a great way. Now, I understood the concept of mixtapes. I never went to CD. You start talking about CDs, then you're infiltrating on the record labels business. And I also knew that I wasn't selling enough quantities of cassette tapes that it would affect the record labels. However, there was another DJ crew and other people started making mixtapes, but they decided to go the CD route. Um, and what they decided to do for some strange reason is somehow they decided to get their into HMV. I think it was, remember the HMV that had the basement on Young Street yeah, there? Yeah, I used to work there. Myself and uh, <coughs> RT, Randall Thorne, we worked in the video Is that department. where you guys became friends? Well, we, we met at Ryerson, and we, be, we were roommates in our second year. We both started, we started, I think I started like a month or two before right, Randall. But right, yeah, yeah, we worked at HMV together. Ah, look at you two superstars <laughs> in your own fields. Um, and I don't know if it was because there was a hookup or a contact or whatever, but somehow they made their way into the basement. And I could be getting my facts wrong, but I believe it's either that happened or what happened is because they were selling their CDs in barbershops and other places and Buzz start getting out about it, people were going into stores like HMV and, and asking. asking for them. And then the people in the stores, because they didn't know what they were, they were going to the record reps who you know were pitching their albums and stuff and said, yo, yeah, that's great, but what about this XYZ mixtape that I keep people keep coming in and asking about? So that's what brought the spotlight onto what we were doing. Ah. But because these guys, and I think they were told, I think the record label, our contact guys, you know, the street level promo dudes were like, stop making CDs to these guys. But because they were making money hand over fist, because you know you can sell a tape for a certain amount of money, you can sell a CD for a little bit more. Right. Clearly, especially back then. So, and this is at like the height of when CDs were being <clears> so like Britney Spears and NSYNC and and what's the other boy band? Uh, Backstreet Boys. Back, they, they be and Eminem even yeah, yeah like a dude. million in the first week, a Absolutely. million eight in the first week. Absolutely. Like it was. This is the height. This is just as Napster started to. Oh, it was before cut. Napster, dude. But. No, but Napster was late nineties. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. And then Napster just cut the torsos out of record labels, yeah. and then it went from. Remember Nutella, G Nutella. No. Oh, see, you're because you don't you weren't stealing music or sharing music. I was I wasn't, but I remember. <laughs> I, it wasn't me. It was my friend. Dude. Dis disclaimer. <laughs> I honestly I didn't start downloading like m movies or shows or anything until recently. Like until like the last. I'm still the guy that goes to HMV to buy. I like buying my Blu-ray DVDs. Right. And, and you did pay for the Pacquiao fight, right? I did pay. Yeah. No, I did not. I, did not oh, pay I, for I the watched Pacquiao it on my laptop. <laughs> I went to a bar. I went to so I paid. Oh, all right. I paid in in buying. Well, beverages. I didn't pay. Okay, and I told you I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. That's right. <laughs> 
Um, so anyway, one other thing, the basement, when we refer to the basement, the basement was an area of HMV where they sold urban music. That was the hip hop, the R&B, the soul, the funk. It was just a floor. Even some vinyl. They even started yeah, yeah, selling yeah, right. yeah. They had vinyl. Yeah. Uh, it just, okay. So they, so these guys inadvertently started bringing heat. Right. So they brought the spotlight onto what we were doing and they didn't want to stop. They were too popular. Their egos were, you know, out of control. These are just random DJs that are making. No, these... not random. They're a very well-known crew, but I'm not. Okay, fine. You know, putting the, I'm not. I'm not. This is not the snitching God, show. It was, it was 15 years ago. All right, it was Baby Blue. <laughs> so those guys didn't want to stop, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, if I was in their shoes and I was making the kind of money they were making, and you know, getting to DJ the way they were doing it, that's great. I was comfy. Selling mixtapes, the certain amount that I was selling every, you know, I had my fan base. I had loyal people that every month they knew that shit was out. They would go get it. I was good with that. I didn't need to be double platinum. Right. You know what I mean? Like, or have music videos like Money Jane. <clears throat> well, that came after the fact. Oh, right. That's a whole, we can continue that after the fact. So, in 99, and I believe it was, actually I don't know when it was, but it was 1999. And CREA, which is the Canadian something, something, something association, association. <laughs> yeah. uh, which basically, if I'm not mistaken, they're like the copyright arm of the record industry, like the recording. R, the, like the RIAA in the of United the States. States. Yeah. yeah. So they somehow incognito with the, in cohesion with the record, la the Canadian record labels went out and did a friggin' a sweep of all the stores that were selling mixtapes and confiscated and served tickets to all these store owners. So I remember the guy in Whitby that was selling my tapes, all the got taken out of his store. Oh, and they went even further. The dude that used to, at one point, because I was making so many, I found a guy in Scarborough who was a duplicator, and he was actually, he would make my tapes for me. And he would duplicate them. They went there and oh. shut him down. Wow. And served him with notice and stuff. The thing is, because the DJs, us, had that relationship with the record labels, the record rep dudes that were our friends who knew this was bullshit, because like, yo, I give Paul music every month to put on his tapes, be it my bosses are trying to shut down what I do, they made sure that we didn't get touched. They wanted to make sure, just shut down where the stuff comes out from. So our friends at Playdy got tickets, our friends at Tracks got tickets, and you know, Tracks was the other one. You know, every yeah, place that was selling tapes, barbershops I think got shut down in terms of the, the, the actual... Yeah, no, uh, they could still give fades. Right, they could still give fades and, 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 and Caesars. <laughs> and Weaves. Yeah, they but, they, but they, they couldn't sell you know music at the time for a while. And uh, I remember there was this big, <clears throat> there was this big brouhaha, it was a big deal, and uh, a journalist friend of mine, uh, Celine Wong, who, oh yeah, I remember Celine. She uh, was an independent journalist, so she wrote for Double XL. She wrote for, you know, Rap Pages. She wrote for The Source, and so on and so forth. She did a piece about this Toronto crackdown, and uh, they featured. I think I was quoted in it, and my one of my tapes was featured in the in the article, and it just so happened to be in the same issue that Jay Z was on the cover okay, of. Okay, in The Source. Right. Right. And. Uh, and so I was kind of proud of that. I was like, "Yeah, same same magazine as Jay." <laughs> um, and uh, but so as of '99, they shut it down, and I couldn't make tapes after that. As a respect, like I mean, I think the other guys said, F and they kept doing shit or whatever. They just had to figure out a different way to sell their shit. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna stop." They kind of kiboshed it, and out of respect, because I mean, you're not trying to. 
I also was on the radio, so I had a different relationship with the record labels as well. Like I also had that relationship as being a radio guy, and I wasn't trying to f- all that up either. Because to me, the mixtape wasn't my career. Yeah, the mixtape was a, a side hustle. A side hustle. So I stopped that, and because the record labels felt guilty. Um, I remember a good friend of mine, Big C, who was working at Virgin EMI at the time, and he was somewhat involved in you know how all this went down. He approached Baby Blue, and he approached me to come to the label and sign as putting out, excuse me, putting out albums. Right. And it was it was so basically they were going to sign Baby Blue, and Baby Blue would be the the jiggy commercial DJ set. And they would sign Mastermind, and Mastermind would put out the hardcore underground hip-hop, and we'd have best of both worlds. <clears throat> what happened was Universal got wind of this, and Universal went to Baby Blue and offered them more. And Universal at the time was a much bigger label, had better artists, it had a much bigger repertoire. And uh, I don't know what the deal was, but obviously offered Baby Blue a, a pretty substantial, pa- better package than whatever EMI could offer. And so Blue turned their backs on EMI and Big C and went over to Universal I didn't care I was like yeah, I'm good either way because I didn't go looking for a record deal the record deal came to me Yeah. so then they came to me and said hey we want to put out your mixtape series but legitly and that's where volume 49 came from and that's where the legitimate you know street legal volume 50 came from and then Baby Blue put out their whole... See, they put out like three or four albums on Universal. I can't remember how many they but did. Yeah, weren't yours called Ass no. and Titties? Ass? No, no. <laughs> and there's like three... Yeah. Titty, tit, tits was first. Tits was first. Tits, Ass, and then the last one was Cock. <laughs> I guess they had to cover all of them. Um, that was an independent group. Uh, I believe it was Stickman Records, uh, who was probably... Uh, distributed through a, a, a middleman type of major label or whatever, but it was Stickman Records, and that was the Obscene Underground series. So, what was that kid's name? So these are three. You, I remember. I remember the black cover, white yeah. text. Yeah. Three CDs, mix mixes. Right. So the first and, one was like a drum and bass one, and that oh, was okay. that was what the first kid did with Tits. He put his out. Then they came to me. This is before. The EMI deal happened. Oh, okay. So they came to me and they said, we want you to put out Ass, Obscene Underground, uh, Volume 2, which would be the hip-hop one. And I think Cock was like a uh, EDM or some other type of shit. I don't even know who did that one, but it was Tits, Ass. And so they came at me and I had signed, I think, a two-record deal with them. Uh, not for a lot of money either, being Indian. It was like a lot of, you know, depends on how much it sells. You'd get a certain percentage of this, that, and the third. And I remember I got my first little chunk of money, and then the record sold, and it was really popular. And then I never got my payment because the label went under, and they were saying that whoever was the distributor had all the money, and I couldn't, we can't get it. We can't recover your money. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, really? And they were giving me, I remember I was still on their deal when Virgin EMI was trying to sign me and they wouldn't let, they were like, nah, we don't want to let you out of your deal and blah, blah, blah. But then they went belly up and I couldn't get my money. I was like, you motherfuckers, like, <laughs> you, you f***ed up my other deal over here, yeah. but now I'm not getting paid. Anyhow, that was Obscene Underground. I'm very proud of that one as well. Um, and I got a lot of people who Instagram me and tweet me pictures of that. Oh, oh, oh wow. Uh, yeah. I had one of those. I had one of the two. I don't know if I still have the physical CD anymore, but I had one of the, I think I had... I think I had ass, tits or ass. Well, tits wasn't me, so ass was mine. Okay. So if you had the hip hop one, then you had mine. All right. Right. And and basically, it was funny what you you know the word was huge on the cover. Yeah. And then it would say, now that we got your attention, 
this is a you know a, a mix by a mastermind <laughs> of the best hip hop and underground blah 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 blah. So basically, do you it remember was, any of the artists that were on that CD? Like uh, Cannabis, Fife Dog. It was a lot of underground. Sh- um, like were like Pharrell Monch and like those. No, I don't know. Pharrell was on Obscene Underground. Pharrell was on the Street Legal. I had uh, the thing. The cool thing about Street Legal, my whole concept with. Volume, which is, which 50, is, volume 50 Volume okay, 50 yeah. Which was a legitimate So volume 49 So my mixtapes Ended at 48 The last Genuine mixtape That I put out was, was 48 So we wanted to keep The whole concept Of mastermind mixtapes And everybody was saying You gotta do a 50 You gotta get the 50 So 49 Was called the setup And what we did Is we got every popular Rapper Local Toronto rapper Canadian rapper That we could And got them to Freestyle Over beats on volume 49 uh, getting them to rap about themselves rap about the city rap about the fact that I'm coming out with an album and get ready for volume 50 and we made like 15,000 of these CDs and that was the promo that we would give out leading up to, to number 50 to when we were working on number so 50 that, so you're talking Shaw Claire Socrates Cardinal dude anybody and everybody you could think of who else of. was on we're on the Northern Touch ain't nobody you had Checkmate on that you Check. had the Rascals Rascals um, yes Red One you know you had Thrust on that Thru- dude they were all everybody people even up till now still hit me to see if they can get copies of 49 What's, what was the story between didn't Northern Touch share a beat with DMX didn't yeah they? so we did as it usually goes a Canadian producer will make a beat and then somehow it'll get wind over there and uh, it happened twice with the Rascals actually now that you mentioned it so Northern Touch came out you know sampled a BT Express record Northern Touch did what it did up here, and then DMX came out with his record "Get and At then, Me, Dog" or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, and then took and then used that beat. <laughs> well, didn't use that beat. He used the sample, same sample. Oh, okay. And you okay. know, people, people. I mean, you know, samples are samples, and people will chalk it up to coincidence. I mean, that's happened in hip hop all the time. One producer samples something, another producer samples the exact same thing. Hmm, interesting. It happened to. Uh, sorry, get to your uh... OC and Pete Rock had that same problem. I don't know if problem OC sample. The thing about the OC sample was. The loop was exactly the same. What song? Do you remember? Uh, it was off his first album. I can't. Uh, I can't remember. Jules was the second album. Right? Jules was the second album. Oh, Word Life album. was OC's first album. Which, incidentally, I just read a story the other day that said Nas was going to name Illmatic Word Life, and OC and him had a conversation, and OC said, "Yo, I want to name my album Word Life." So Nas was like, "Yeah, you can have that." And Nas named his album Illmatic. Wow, that's so that awesome. A little hip hop knowledge. Uh, Kiprios. Uh, from uh, they were the he Vancouver had, crew. Yeah, the Sweatshop Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiprios was here in Toronto. He signed a deal with Sony, and he was writing and producing stuff. And then one of his beats got, uh, was it? No, no. What was that? Uh, wait, what was that R and B group that had? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! I just you need to sing that shit again though. That was brilliant. Oh man, I'm terrible. <laughs> you didn't even... <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. Anyway, Kiprios had that happen to him where he actually made a beat. Okay, hold on. Sing again and, and let me Shazam that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. Okay, what was the other... You said the okay. had it happen to twice. him twice. So the other story is uh, they did that song Top of the World with Barrington Levy. Okay. And then friggin' Shine came out with Bad Boys and had Barrington Levy singing the exact same shit oh, on his record. That was such a... 
big tune. Yeah, and they're saying, and they were literally saying that Puffy's totally bit that whole concept from well, Puffy's to bite and the everything. Thing, but the thing is, because you're from Canada and there was no huge, it wasn't like the internet was massive back then, like it is now. Like something happens right now, it's across the world. Back then, it was like, you know, are they really gonna find out if I steal this little group in Canada? You yeah, know, yeah. like, and are they really gonna believe them? You know, now you can put two songs back to back on the internet the way they do. Totally. And they're like, hey, you know that the guy stole can, it. And you can find when, like, the first time it was posted because they're like 95 hip hop, hip hop blogs. Right. So posted on April 12, blah, 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 yeah. 19, you know, 2001 and or whatever, 2008. So that and was the So it happened to the Rascals twice, allegedly, right? So um, all these rappers were on 49, and that was what we, we used to set up volume 50 and the cool thing that when well, my concept with volume 50 was and I've always had this idea was that um, they allowed me to not only was I licensing records and doing a mixtape of songs that were already out but they gave me a budget to go in and record material like new material like new material oh, okay uh, Canadian material so my concept was I was gonna take you know whatever artist was from Canada and team them up on the song with the artists in the states that I felt complimented them so oh, at wow. the time my concept would have been you know ghetto concept with Mob Deep right um, you know Cardinal with whoever it was gonna be Shot Claire I wonder who, who is who would be his at that time who well the, been his on peer? the song Cardi ended up doing it with Rod so what happened was I had these grandiose ideas and they couldn't become into fruition because of budgets, oh, accessibility, of you know, people agreeing to be on the project, so on and so forth. I, w I really wanted to utilize my years of networking and get people to do favors for my first, uh, knowing that they gave me like a six album deal or an eight album deal. So I like, first album, let me go utilize favors. And, and, uh, and then after the first album, I'll go and then we can start paying people after we have some little bit of success. Not to say we wouldn't pay them, but pay them properly on the yeah. second route. But my A&R dude was like, no, nah, I'm paying out. I'm in charge. We're paying everybody proper. I remember I got an invoice years after from the record label saying how much I owed. It was like a house. They were saying, you know, this is what we spent putting your album out or whatever. And I was like, yeah, we ain't recouping that. You got to have to write that off. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But uh, my whole thing in my mind was like, listen, I've helped so many of these people throughout you know the, the years that I've been on the radio the least they can do is a song for you know scale yeah you know for a, a minimal of what they would normally charge somebody that was my vision my dude wanted to pay everybody so everybody got paid well and uh, <laughs> except you no I made a little bit of money but I'm saying like dude they took care of me don't get me wrong the record label took care of me um, you know when you put out a certain project and it's going to cater to a certain amount of people, you can only have a certain amount of success, right? You know, we, we also were limited as to what records we could license based on the EMI family, and EMI wasn't a huge oh, right. hip-hop commercial pop so, label. So, yeah, you guys didn't have, like, the Def Jam artists. No, or that was all, and that was another big reason why Baby Blue went to Universal, because they had all that access, right? right. And that's why if you, listen, if you go to their albums, you'll see the lists, you know, huge artists. I mean, Universal was loaded back then, right? Um, but I think... You know, what we lost in um, commercial success, we made for in um, uh, street cred. Like, the, 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 the critics reviewed my album, and so many people consider it, quote-unquote, you know, a really well-done classic album uh, for what it's worth. And, you know, I remember we even went out of our way. We did skits. I had uh, my homie Russell 
you know, who wasn't who he is now back then. I had Russell him as a Peters. Ca- Russell Peters had him as a character, a game show host, and so the skits. I was always a fan of De La Soul with the skits that they would do in their albums, and I wanted to incorporate it some some sort of concept. So our skit- was De La Soul the first? Yeah, I believe the first? on Three Feet High and Rising. I think they were the first ones to ever do skits. Amazing. And uh, and their not- skits are awesome, dude. Like all of their album skits are freaking dope. That's, I, you know, it's, someone's got to put together, I'm sure Complex Mag has done it, just like a list of like the best 10 skits on like his, I'm sure they've yeah, done it. Yeah, now I'm going to Google that. Because I, I used to like the Mad Rapper, like this, uh, 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 Wait, the mad, that was Puffy's yeah. thing, right? Yeah. The pump, that was Puffy, but yeah, there's uh, definitely tell some. Tell why you mad. First of all. Yeah, there's definitely some. I'm going to do that after, after we're done here. I think I'll Google that <laughs> But my concept was how to get a record deal. So we took, you know, we we wrote these skits and we put, you know, Russell in with the group or whatever, and the group would play the game, and then it would lead into their freestyle of uh, uh, their portion of the song. So each each rapper would end up doing like a minute and a half freestyle or whatever. And some of those are like my favorite fucking parts of the album because um, how well I feel they were put together and how. Um, the memories that they invoke of me being in the studio with them and in A and Ring this whole thing and you know putting my touches on 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 it. It was very fun. And at the same, I remember I was still on the radio working full time at you know at doing my evening show. So it was long days. I remember wifey beefing with me because she thinks I was loafing. You're out all day. You're out all night. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're never home. Blah blah blah. And you know they never see the the big picture. Of course they don't. They don't see the process. They just. It's like it's like I'm still in the slime from somewhere. It's just like, don't tell me about the baby pains. Just show me the baby. Oh boy! So you were experiencing the baby pains. And yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. like, oh, I don't see the baby. I'm like you'll see the baby. The yeah. baby's coming. But even I don't even think she cared about the baby at that point. <laughs> but anyhow, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so I think we've covered it. I think so from '99 with that yeah. whole drama where you know the sh- the tapes got shut down to getting the record deal and putting out that album. So after that album came out, so, so let me go back. So after that album came out, didn't quite achieve the success that the record labels anticipating, especially with the amount of money that the A and R spent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was what? Like what? What are oh, we talking I can't, about? I can't even remember, but it had okay. to be a couple of hundred grand or some shit like that, minimum, right? Yeah. We even shot a video, which I'm. Oh, I'm embarrassed to go look at nowadays. They made me dance in the like I, the concept that I had wasn't what what happened, and uh, and so is it on YouTube? Oh, of course it is, dude. <laughs> You've never seen the video for Bump? <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. That's oh, like, dude, they got me in dead. the house party. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And God, then like I hate that video. Yeah, but you were on your turntables. And then at the end, I did a stupid jig. Even my kids make fun of me, dude. I know my limitations. I can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> but because of the, what this video was supposed to be, and I, uh, right, anyway. and we're t- well, some part of it was on a green screen, right? Somebody was like, "Oh, there was super, lots of green screens." Superimposed, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, there was yeah, lots yeah. of green screening. So because it didn't achieve the, the success, I guess the, the monetary success that they wanted, uh, they didn't want to obviously continue making these things because they didn't think they would make their money back. It was like a six album deal or whatever. So and also because I had a great rapport with the companies on my radio show and me and the president were, were good friends and whatnot, they cut me a check and said, let's get the fuck it. Let's just go our separate ways. Got it. Normally, oh. I think normally an artist gets dumped and they just get dropped. Like an NFL contract? Yeah. Like, yeah, we're just going to cut this, boom. So apparently I did the Jay-Z route as I don't get dropped, I dropped the label. <laughs> not, not not that harshly, but yeah, we, we, we parted ways very amicably. Shout out to Blueprint 3. Do you have a, uh, like, can you tell your best Jay-Z story? Best Jay Z story, uh, besides the time when we met, was that the best one? Uh, that's one of them. I mean, for me, it's like I was a huge fan of Jay Z. Meeting, of you know, well, what, meeting. Tell that story. 
Uh, I hosted the Hard Knock Life tour, which came to the ACC in 1999. I was the I guy. I went to that concert. I Method the, Man, Red Man, yeah. Man uh, DMX. Yes. And then Hove, right? Correct. That was huge. Uh, 14,000 people, ACC. Uh, we did a Air contest Canada center here in Toronto Air, ACC at, in, in Toronto we did at a radio station did a contest called uh, live the good life at the hard knock life tour where we gave away a suite you know fully catered you got the you won the tickets and you got to the concert with your friends and family and uh, you know the crew and um, and it was my job to go on stage and intro before red man and method man that was the only time you couldn't do before DMX. You couldn't do before Hove, but it was my job. So I went up on stage. I was super. I can't even remember what I said back then, but I was super nervous. And um, afterwards, there was a meet and greet, and um, you know, so I got pictures with whoever we we could get pictures with. Um, uh, you know, I got a picture with Red. I got a picture with Meth. I got a picture with Hove. Um, like Woods, was anybody smiling in any of these photos? Do you still have these photos? Yeah, the the Hove one, he looks like he's, he's kind of smiling. And it was cool because, you know, even back in 99 to me, Hove, like Hove is nowhere near what he is now of back course. then. But even then, and even though I was in his career from before, you know, um, Reasonable Doubt. Like I'm talking about back with, with uh, Jazzo. Jazzo and, you know, when he was doing songs, you know, 16 bars on R&B records yeah. Like that, he's rapping like DOS effects. Like back then, you know about this guy. You're involved with his career. You still meet this guy after he's got you know three album, three multi platinum albums, and he's very humble. He's very cool. I had a couple of stories because I'd been to his offices in New York at Rockefeller. I knew people that worked for him in his record label and so on and so. There was a little bit of a, a back and forth chat, not as long as you would like with a guy like Jay Z, but he was very gracious in the fact that he took the picture. Uh, shows you what kind of person he is. Um, so that was really cool. You so know? Th and this is back like this. Film camera. It's not like uh, it's not like. Yeah. Or was did you have no, a digital no. one back there? It's like I don't remember. I don't know. I'm pretty sure mine was just a. So you uh, have to hope you get you get the picture in the one one shot. Right. And <laughs> it was busy in there because this was the group picture, so the record label. And I think the record label is actually apparently X and J were beefing or something because. Um, X was getting a certain amount of, of notoriety at the time. His albums were doing really They're, well. Yeah, he had back-to-back, -back, weren't like five million? So there was beef that each? Hove was headlining the concert. And I think that they, I remember- the Hard Knock Life Tour. But I remember hearing that they couldn't get them together uh, in any room at that point in the, oh, in the thing. Okay. But they were in Canada and they were giving everybody their plaque. So they had to get them all together in one room. And I remember somebody from Merkel was saying, this is a big deal. We haven't had them in the same room in like weeks. And they were all in the room. So we got a group shot. So, you know, it's me, um, you know, uh, wifey's in the picture. The people that won were there. Um, the guy that I did the morning show with at the time, or the evening show at the time, uh, his name was Axel. He's now JJ on the Flow Morning Show. He was there. Russell was there because I invited him to come with me. Oh, nice. So we're all in this picture where you have Red Man, Method Man, DMX, DJ Clue, Hove, um, I think that's it. But there's this cool picture, and I think I posted it on my Facebook page. So I'm one of the only people that has it. And I posted it on my Facebook page, and now everybody, I think DMX retweeted it or reblogged really? it. I think Method oh, Man reblogged cool. it because this is like a, a pretty big and picture. And they probably have never seen that photo. Probably not. I think the last time, I think I may have showed it to him when, remember when Meth came by uh, TSN? Oh, yes, that's right. I yeah, think yeah. I may have showed it to him then. Oh, very cool. Um, but. Um, 
that 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 to me is a pretty pretty fond memory. But a good Jay Z story is I remember right before Reasonable Doubt came out. This is like '96. Um, it came out, right? Yeah. So this might be '95 or '94. I used to go to these DJ conferences heavy in the states. Like oh, I, did you go to like Jack the Rapper? I used to go to. Ja- What's the one I've in Puerto to, Rico? That was a mix of power summit, but that came after. Oh, okay. So before you had Jack the Rapper, you in had Atlanta. Impact. You had all the uh, Jack the Rapper was in Atlanta, but there was a lot in Atlantic City. There was some in New uh, New Orleans, and there was they they used to put them all over the place. So these were just conferences or summits for for DJs and radio. The it was radio people, but a lot of the DJs and the, the oh, record okay. labels all would take artists and so on and so forth. So I remember this one was in New Orleans, and uh, during Mardi Gras, which was even f- cooler. But I remember and crazier and crazier. But I remember uh, walking by a restaurant, and Jay had the Rockefeller crew. Um, in this restaurant, and this was right before Dead Pre- uh, the Reasonable Doubt was supposed to come out, so uh, Ain't No Nigga was doing really, really well. Was, that was his record, and they knew they had something happening, and they were there, and Dame was there, and all his of crew, he was there. and they were all there, <laughs> and they were they had out their fucking you know champagne bottles, and they were toasting this forthcoming success for Rockefeller Records with their crew because I was friends. As a DJ, I was friends with their promotions people. He brought me uh, one of the promotions guys. I think his name was Reg Reg. It was another guy I used to work with called Al Branch. I was their friends. Uh, they brought me over, introduced me to, yo, and I said, hey, congrats on everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was kind of involved in the in the toast. I was right there for the toast. Oh, nice. And so that's a fond memory. They're so, kind of like they were toasting their start, the startup of the of what was meant to be. Dame Dash, Kareem Biggs. I don't know what Biggs is. What's Biggs' last name? Burke, is it? Yeah. Burke, yeah. And then Hoven. Um, so one of his contemporaries, Nas, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, a couple of weeks ago in Washington, D.C. Right. And he, he did a concert at the Kennedy Center for the 20th anniversary of Illmatic, yes, as sir. you mentioned earlier. Yeah, sir. So we go to the concert, and he has the National uh, Symphony Orchestra, and Illmatic only has nine tracks. Ten. Sorry, 10. Yeah. The intro, yeah, okay, so 10. Um, and before every song, uh, they had, there was like this 30-second kind of cinematic intro to the to the beat of the song, whether it was Represent or one... Uh, was it the uh, same Was it the same cinematic? It wasn't the same order. Oh, no, but I'm saying, was the cinematic thing the same yeah, each time? Yeah, because in some of them, he talks before, he, he talked okay, before okay. he goes into the song or whatever right. on the actual album. So that was, it was very cool. It was like, it was a very like grown up experience because all of Nas's fans seem like they're around the same age yeah. and they just grown up with Nas. So it was like, you know, you saw like one from like tuxedos to like dudes in sneakers and <laughs> and baseball caps, but we're all like in our thirties. So it was. Uh, so anyway, the next day I interviewed Nas at the the Westin or the Hyatt Hotel or Four Seasons or something, and we're on like this mezzanine floor in, in this hallway, and I have a new most awkward moment ever. So uh, I said to Nas, I'm like, I've seen you in both Yankees caps and Mets caps. I'm like, what what team do you ride for? And he said, the Mets, but the Yankees cap. When I wear the Yankees cap, it doesn't just represent the Yankees. He goes, I love the Yankees, but it does, it's like a New York Absolutely. hat. It's yes. like the New York staple. Yes. I loathe the Yankees and everything about that team, me personally. So I was like, As a sports fan. As a sports fan. But even the when I see when I see Canadians rock the Yankees cap, I'm like, take off that disgusting hat. Like, really? That's, that's that, not for you. That's how hard you go? Oh, man. Wow. Hey, listen, and I, I, I shouldn't say... I'm, my logic is flawed because my favorite baseball team is the Cleveland Indians, uh, and what? they're from Cleveland. They're from Ohio, and they're obviously Americans. But anyway, whatever. My my logic's flawed. So 
I said, no, it's, it's actually, it was harder for me to find photos of you smiling than you in a Yankees cap. And he's like, I'm smiling right now. I actually should have included that moment in the in the edit now that I think about it. Yeah. That was really stupid. Because now the interview is out. I posted it. but um, So right after that, I said, well, what would a cameraman have to say to you to get you to smile? Uh, and I'm like, I like the word titties. <laughs> Didn't work. Then there was just this uncomfortable silence just sitting there and just bathing in the heat and the fire and brimstone of being that embarrassed. And then I was like, okay. And then there was this this is how much silence there was between Nas and I. One one thousand. Two one thousand. Are you looking at each other? Yeah, I'm looking over at him. And he's just looking forward. Oh. I'm like, all right, moving on. But like for the those like long, excruciating three sec three seconds of painful, uncomfortable silence, and then I moved on. And then later in the interview Good God. Oh yeah, it was bad. Later in the interview I got him to laugh a couple of times and I've never heard or seen Nas laugh before. Right. He's such a low key dude and I knew this going in that he was like he was very chill. That was his vibe. So I I took it upon myself. I'm like, I have to crack this guy. I don't think I have a successful interview until I can uh until I crack the person I'm interviewing. So I got him to laugh a couple of times. I mentioned something about the, a possible album title for the third in the Matic series. There was Illmatic, there was Stillmatic. I'm gonna give us a third Matic. He doesn't wanna do it. He's like, I don't know whether I get the same producers as before, blah, blah, blah. But then I threw out some album titles and the one he started laughing at was I said, I said, Grant Hill Matic. And he's like, that's cool. I'm like, Belichick Bill Matic, after the famous New England Patriots coach. He started to laugh there and I said, kill Bill Matic. And he's like, that's cool. And he's smiling, goes, oh, wait a second. I'm like, you like kill Bill Matic? And he's like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And I, I'd have to figure out what the bill means, but maybe it's if if Quentin does a third film, maybe we I do a soundtrack and that's the I do an album, that's the soundtrack to oh, the album. Sh- so I was like, oh, right cool. there. Yeah. But then but he still died at the end of the second yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Unless it's oh, you know what it is? He's supposed to do a third one because um Homegirl's kid is supposed to come back to kill mm. Uma. What are Vivica, Vivica Fox's, Fox's kid. kid is supposed to do oh, revenge, right? And that would be prime for, what's that little girl in uh, the Beasts of the Southern Wild, oh, Kavanjane yeah, or something? Yeah, 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 Her or, or, you know who it would be? It would be Will Smith's kid. Word. It would be Willow Smith. Willow Smith, yeah. But there's other girls that can do that too. Yeah, there are. But, yes, that, that's your, there you go. You just created man. Kill Bill Maddock. I think DK came up with that one when we were emailing back and forth like album titles. Either the, me or D- D- uh, Dave Kirk. Well, my, here's the thing. Producer. I think I think it really depends on when and how you catch Nas because um, in '96 I hosted his in-store at Tower Records. Right. Now, for people who are familiar with Toronto, will know that Tower Records used to be on the corner of Young and King. Queen. Queen? Yeah, Young right at the bottom Queen, of the East which is Center. now which is now a good life fitness or something it's, like it's, that. Uh, I think it's a, a sports store, Mountain Coast or something, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So that used to be a Tower Records. And in ninety six I hosted uh the it was written was the record that was coming out. And which is a dope record. It, Remember, it, it got was murdered it was by written? the critics because it wasn't nomadic. But it was if you listen, yeah, if you to, listen it now, to it now, it's amazing. Like, wow, this it's a great album. Is awesome. Yeah. And, and Some of the beats were, uh, so Nas is coming was kind of a, uh, and that was a Dre beat. Was yeah, like, uh. it was a bit of a letdown. I heard that just the other day, too. I was like, eh, I was trying to see if it would be all right. It didn't yeah. work. Um, but we, we, I hosted the in-store, and uh, Nas was meeting his fans, and I remember afterwards, 
we got a chance to do a little meet and greet, and so I took a picture with him, and Nas busted this kind of, you know, he busted a certain pose in the picture. I met him again last year or two years ago when he came with Lauren Hill for uh, Rock the Bells, was it, at uh, Molson Canadian Amphitheater? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was backstage with him again, and uh, I pulled up this picture to oh, say, sick. dude, you remember this picture? And obviously he wouldn't remember it, but I was like, this picture's from 96 when you came to do an in-store, blah, blah, blah. And I showed him the picture, and he was like, he was like oh, wow, he was in a great mood for some strange reason. <coughs> and so you know, later on, like, okay, let's let's take another picture. And he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna bust that same move." Oh, cool! And he busted the same move. You know, twenty years later, kind of move. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and I got like a before and an after picture, basically. Now, so I think it really depends on when you catch him. Like, for all you know, right before your interview, he got off the phone with Khalees about alimony. Oh, you know right. what I mean? Like, but okay, yeah, that yeah, I, it could that could have been, but I, yeah, I just know I just from seeing other <laughs> interviews. Actually, Dave, my producer said, "Are you okay over there?" Yeah, yeah, I'm just, you're like dying asleep. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm Speaking not. of Lauren Hill, killing me softly right now, uh, or Roberta Flack, whichever one you want. Right. Um, uh, but um, Dave said that he was on Kimmel like a week later, and he gave Kimmel less than he gave me. I'm like, that's Jimmy Kimmel. Like Jimmy Kimmel is a great interviewer and always has a great Kimmel Fallon. Here's the Conan thing, though, but here's the thing that you have to. You, should, you could actually probably take solace in this. Nas is a terrible interview. I was excited when I heard that he was going to be on with Bill Maher, which was two Fridays. Was it last Friday? It was last Friday. Yeah. I got excited because I remember when Bill Maher interviewed Jay-Z. And they were, oh, well, Jay-Z's, okay, yeah, yeah. And he actually set aside time just for Jay. That's how big of a hip-hop, like, Bill Maher is a black dude, if you, if well, you. He, he's got an honorary card, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, I he mean, dates they, sisters, he and knows what he the, rides the for, But he rides for it, too, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So, and he's a hip-hop head. So the interview with Jay-Z, I was excited because it was, it was a great chemistry. And I thought, oh, my God, Nas is coming. It's going to be great. And you would think Nas would be like, yo, I got a lot to live up to. You would watch the show and kind of know what you're getting into. And the interview was terrible. Like the question, like Nas really didn't answer anything. There was one little part where there was a bit of a, uh, a laugh, you know, where uh, Bill asked him about the song with him and Jay called Black Republicans. And there was a Republican on the panel. I was like, hey, here you got one. And Nas was like, ah. I wouldn't go that far, and the crowd <laughs> laughed. But yeah. but before that, I was like, "Wow, what a dud!" I'm like, "This whole interview was a dud." Then I heard an interview with Zane Lowe, the guy from the CBC, B- BBC. Uh, BBC in the yeah. states, who recently has been knocking interviews out the Murder, box. Yeah, he had the Kanye interview. Kanye, the Jay, yeah, yeah, he's all these, awesome. He, all these great awesome. interviews. There's something about him, you know, that's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And the interview, and he's w- such a, he's a. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. He's such a, he's like Nardwar in a way that he's really well researched, and he like any, he, and he can articulate things sonically. He's like you had this kind of a vibe and a thing, right? And, but he's not cornball like Nardwar, right? Correct. He's correct. very, he, and he's a head too. You can tell he's a hip hop head. Yeah. So he did this interview with Nas, and in this interview, I was it was only like a 22, 23-minute interview because of their time constraints, but I was captivated by it, which I've never been typically with a Nas interview because Nas just always seems, and I guess it could be by the questions you ask the guy or whatever, but Nas just seems like he doesn't care in interviews. And so you shouldn't feel bad if you think your interview didn't go well because that's how, like, I mean, shit, if he fucks you know, the bed with Kimmel and, and Bill Maher, you know why would he care about some small, in his mind, some small no, sports I am. guy? I am. I am. No, 100%. you're not though. But no, but it's like, hey, listen. dude, you've been in Kobe Bryant's air helicopter. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, but Nas doesn't know that, nor nor would he care. You should walk around with a t-shirt. The fucking Kobe's the pic- helicopter. Yeah, just I've been in this. Have you? <laughs> 
I should. That'd be so arrogant, though. Oh, oh dude, there's gosh. certain interviews you need to. Yo, I got a hug from Michael Jordan. Did you? Again, so ignorant. Like it's so. Son, if I was you. No, you no, you wouldn't. No, I, you wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. You, but yeah. so, son, <laughs> because I'm not you, I'm gonna say that I would do all that. You had, uh, but I so to 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 put a wrap a bow in that. I, I actually think I did have a uh, a good interview with Nas because I got him to emote because I was successful in making him smile a couple of times. It made right. me it made me feel feel good. Other than that one horribly awkward moment because <laughs> you said titties because I said titties, which is. They you know, you know what's interesting? Because I was gonna say, usually that will put a smile on a man's face. I don't know what what up with Nas. I don't know. Come on, Nas. So after the Hard Knock Life tour, Jay Z starts his ascent, and to help his ascent was the Neptunes. Sure. Obviously, his lyrics are one thing, but his songs like "I Just Want to Love You" is still my favorite party record because everybody knows the words. Well, here's a great. The girls know the words. Here's a great story for Please. you. Well, great sort of. Uh, October thirtieth, two thousand is when my album came out. October thirtieth was a Tuesday. It was so, number fifty? Not volume fifty. Volume fifty. Volume yeah. fifty came out October thirtieth. The same day. That album came out, The Dynasty, right. with, with I Just Want to Love You, which was a massive smash. Yes. Same day, Outkast's album, the one with Ms. Jackson on it. I can't remember the name. Uh, AT Aliens was? No, it wasn't no, AT Aliens. Was, um, I think they had, the, red, they had the, the Stars and Stripes on the cover. I think Stankonia. Stankonia? I think it's Stankonia. Both those albums, and there was another big one, which I can't remember, but both those albums came out same day, and I was like, yeah, no one's buying my. If you're going to the store with 19 bucks on Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> you're buying one of those two, and you're just looking at my. So, uh, so a couple years after that, Pharrell or like Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo of the Nerds, yeah, they explode and they own music for like a good two, three years. Do they stretch. still own music? But now, but now it's got it's gone back. Everything's cyclical. You know, Timberland had his era. Um, you know who else? Big uh, producer that had it. like um, I'm trying to think of like the mid 2000s and like the late 2000s. Yeah, Dre had a run. Yeah, Dre yeah, had a run. Obviously with 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 M and Fifty Cent. Just Blaze, Kanye West. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye had, had an a great era, run. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Pharrell, did you ever have any? Uh, I do have a Pharrell story. What's your Pharrell story? All right, Pharrell story. I got a Kanye story too. Please continue. All right. Uh, Pharrell. So it's 2004. Uh, I, incidentally, let's go back. I went to that Mix Show Power Summit in Puerto Rico. I was broadcasting my show live from there. And uh, Pharrell is there. And uh, I run up on him and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm doing my show today. You know, I'd love to have you on. He's got like three models with him. Of course he does. So he's walking around with three models. And uh, he kind of, he's like, Yo, bro, I, I really want to, but I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of busy right now. He's got <laughs> his hands amazing. on these models. You know, I stopped him somewhere random in the hotel or whatever, and I'm like, all right, but you know, like I'd really like to, you know, really. This is '04, so it's not like you know, he's happy famous yet. He's he's still a Neptune right now, right? He was super rich though. Oh like, God, yeah, dude, are you Britney kidding me? The Britney Spears slave for you, like he he had Justin's album, the Timberlake. Uh, he did like half or most no, of the. No, Tim Tim Timberlake's album came out in like '04. Oh, oh, three, oh, oh four. maybe you're right. You're right. Yeah, the yeah, solo yeah. album. Yeah, no, actually, it came out around there because I remember they performed it at. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember the clips were there and. Sh 
Right, and uh, yeah. but, and he was performing it at the Super Bowl when he when he ripped out Janet. But Jackson's. that's the reason. That's a, that was one of the main reasons he was there to help promote the clips. The clips were at this conference, and they were getting ready to put out their album and so on and so forth. Lord willing, um, Lord willing. So anyhow, he he gave me the the Pharrell punk off where you know he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try to do it. I'm sure he was too busy with these models and. Shit. Oh man, um, life is good. And he's short. If, sure. I, if I recall. If I recall, I mean, he looks correctly. like a small. He doesn't look more than a dollar forty. Yeah, no, a dollar forty. I, I, I don't remember, but I, I remember. The, I remember looking down at him. The, how are you? In, in just from a view standpoint, not from anything else. <laughs> the Kanye story is incredible too. So Kanye, would you ever have a a wallet chain? Have nah, you ever had a wallet nah, chain? Never. Or like a car, the carabiner for your keys. Navi. Okay. But I, you spent time in Calgary. I mean, don't they do all those outdoor stuff like climb mountains out there? Yeah, but I don't have the dot. There was dudes around me that had the chain on their wallet. Not me. <laughs> I was, yo, my whole thing about Calgary was I was passing through. <laughs> it was never permanent, ever. You know, God God loved the people that, you know, I know there. And, you know, Mayor Nenshi's one of my favorite dudes. Right. But, yeah, come on, man. You know. You I'm need a, to do a sign-in trade for Mayor Nenshi for Rob Ford. Word up. I'm, I'm a Toronto dude, B. Okay, I got you. All right. So the Kanye story, he comes to, uh, he is not putting any music out. Um, I think uh, Through the Wire was just getting released. Just getting released. But he did <clears throat> He did do H to the Izzo. He had. And... He was on the blueprint. He was all over the blueprint, so he's got his fame from the blueprint. Uh, was the Black Album out at that point? I Black Album, I think he made 03. 03 or 04. Okay, so he's, he's obviously Kanye West, mm. but he's not a rapper. Um, and I believe he had finished College Dropout, so it was in his back pocket kind of thing. Like, it was there, but he was... At this conference, with his back, his fucking backpack on, the Louis, the Louis him and backpack. Don, him and Don C were yeah, there in a polo shirts. He was wearing a polo shirt with the collar popped up, um, and uh, he was there to promote through the wire, you know. And nobody was fucking with him really on a rapper level. So I remember there was a DJ, you know, some sort of emporium thing we were at, some conference thing. Because um, that's basically what happens, you know. Like you'll be at a, you'll be at these DJ conferences, and then on, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, there's a panel where people talk, and shit. then you go to another one. There's another panel. Then there's like an artist showcase, and blah, blah, blah like that happens. On this particular day, there was a panel for to the DJs or whatever. Kanye gets up on stage, and he's like, you know, he comes to address, you know, so someone gave him a big speech or whatever, saying, you know, you know him from this, you know him from that. But he gets on stage to address the DJs, and he says something along the lines of, "Y'all know me for making beats and stuff, but I'm 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 a rapper, you know." And he he gave one of those Kanye kind of speeches, and he's like, "Look at you giving me one spin." He's talking to the DJs now. He's like, "You giving me one spin on through the wire is like Jay getting a hundred spins. It means so much to me. It's like I'm I'm I know I'm gonna be successful, but I need y'all help." Blah 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 blah. He gave us his speech. And I was like, cool. Yeah, all right. I'm a f with this guy. So he gets off stage. No one's fucking talking to him or anything. You know, he's he's not Jay-Z yet. I run over to him and I'm like, yo, man, uh, that was great. You know, man, I'm doing my show from here. I'd love to have you come on and we could talk later on this afternoon. And he hits me with, yeah, yeah, yeah go talk to my manager. Oh after my after giving this big like, yeah, please help me out and play my my albums. Help me, because so, it means so much to me if you play my record. And then you ask him, like, yeah, well, come talk about it. Yeah, so I say, come on my radio show, and we can talk. And he gave me the, you know, go talk to my manager. Now, I don't know if that was a punk off, or if that was just him as a new artist following protocol. I couldn't tell, but I was pissed, because I just finished hearing this powerful speech about how you need support. I come to show some, and you tell me that. In hindsight, 
I should have went to his manager and put my ego aside, but you never know who the f Kanye is going to end up being. Of course. So I should have went to the manager and said, hey, you know, I'm on the air, blah, 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 because you never know what that would have, what kind of relationship that could have turned into in terms of I was one of the first people to ever interview him on the radio, support him, blah, blah, blah. Who knows what that would have been? But I'll never know because I let my bullshit ego be like, yo, f this dude. <laughs> what was your... What was your first interaction or experience with Drake? <laughs> Have I ever told you this story? No. Oh, all right. Drake. This is before he's put any mixtapes out. Oh, okay, okay. Before I'm any in mix Calgary. Tapes. Okay. I get a call from a friend of mine who apparently is managing him. And he says to me, yo, we're coming to Calgary, uh, XYZ. He's this kid. He's, uh, he's on Degrassi, but he wants to become a rapper. And he wants to have dinner with you. He knows all about you. He knows your history. He wants to learn. We're going to fly to Calgary just to have dinner with you. But but he's a nobody. Like in his mind. So I'm a somebody. Because I'm, I'm a, you know, PD, APD <coughs> at a hip-hop station Program in Calgary. Or whatever. Music director, whatever yeah, I was yeah. back then. You know, with a huge history lineage in Toronto. As we discussed in right. this podcast. And so you have this young kid who wants to become, a, you know, an artist coming from a TV background who wants to pick my brain. And so I'm like, do I really have time? <coughs> for this dude that wants to be Will Smith, essentially. For some, oh, actually, no, Will for, Smith did it the other way. Right, but for some dude who nobody knows, who thinks he's going to become... you got to remember at this point, I don't even think Cardi Bus yet. Dangerous wasn't out. So this is like 06 or 07, and I think Cardi Bus in 07, yeah. end of 07 or something like that. So in my mind, I'm like... Oh, do I have time for this? So <clears throat> here's here's how you see what kind of an idiot I am. And I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it comes back to your ego. You're like, do I have time for this guy? But 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 uh, hold on. So I say, okay, my daughter and my son are trying to get into acting. So let's play the scratch back scratch back game. You, I'll come meet with this guy, chop it up about music and radio, and we can see if he can give me any tips on how I can advance my kids' careers from an acting standpoint. So I think it's a win-win. You know what I mean? He gets something from me, yeah. maybe I can get something from him. So I tell my guy, sure, no problem. So, me, Aubrey Graham, and I can't for the life of me remember which friend this is. I think I have an idea, but even me and Drake have had a conversation about this after the fact. And I believe he knows, but I think he's trying to forget that past. Okay. So Because it's, it's someone that's <clears throat> no longer in his camp? Yeah, okay. I believe that's the case. And I'd be like, yo, dude, that time you came and had dinner with me, like, you know, who who brought you? And he's like... Okay, I don't even remember. I'm like, yeah, you liar. <laughs> you know who it was. But so we had dinner, and I can't remember uh, what was discussed. All I know is, and my daughter at the time, oh seven, she was maybe seven or eight, and my my son was like eleven. So they probably weren't even interested in any of this conversation. They were just there to eat, you know and be a part of the dinner or whatever it was. But, you know, I had this conversation, and I'm very blunt. When people come to ask me about the radio industry, I t I'm very straightforward, and I tell them my opinions and how it is, especially for urban artists in this country, which is super f***ing hard. So you got to remember, I'm talking to him before we know what he is right now, before we had any super success with, with Cardi. You're talking about a genre that is not flourishing in this country. So I gave him the goods the way I believe. You know, 
if you want to really be a successful rap artist in this country, you have to blow up in the States. I said, you go over there, you get a co-sign, or you get put on over there, you'll win back here. And I was telling him that type of stuff. And he basically followed my blueprint to a T. Whether or not I'm the guy that planted that seed, I have no idea, because he's an intelligent kid. The fact that he told somebody, Yo, I want to fly to Calgary to meet this fucking guy and pick his brain shows you how committed he was to his job and his craft and whatever his career was going to end up being. So anybody who thinks that he fluked into whatever success he has, that's horse. Yeah, they're stupid if that's the case. Yeah, he put in the fucking work, and people may not know about all this stuff. I don't know any of his Toronto because I wasn't here for that. But what I do know is he came there to meet me, which was pretty fun. In hindsight of this whole thing and who he is now, that's a to me, that's a feather in my cap. I take pride in the fact that someone thought enough of me for my opinion to help their career. I thought that was pretty cool. I had um, I had Kevin uh, Chaos on a podcast once and he told me that when Drake was coming up and he and he reached out to Chaos to get on a song, Drake was, he, he did sort of a similar move about let's have dinner. Like he's big on chopping it up. Yeah, um, and then forgetting about you? No, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, but like as a way to like an establish a rapport because you can't you can't meet somebody at a club you can't have any kind of meaningful connection at a club yeah. or maybe at a game if you can be so you can talk but not for like a 20 second interaction in the well, concourse you can, tell, you can tell the boy's intelligent there's nothing yeah, there's no arguing the fact that he knows what needs to be done to get the job done right so yeah, yeah that makes complete sense yeah mastermind yo this is, this is this is fun dude this is this is very. I don't know if I even have enough material for a part three. Sometimes I remember when we start to get into this thing, but I don't. Uh, I don't know no, if you I gave, can. You gave us you gave us some gems today. You yeah. gave like I, it was like a full history lesson because I didn't know that there was like the origins of your of your your the the CDs yeah. and then Baby Blue they went off and did their thing. It's kind of like probably like rival camps, and I didn't know about the you know the. Uh, that you bought a computer to for a party when you came back for the Drake, <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, dusting yeah, the rust yeah. rust off that way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you okay? So now you go to Virgin Radio. Yeah, that's like, the, is that the next Virgin Radio? Aren't nah, you guys I'm, moving to? Nah, I'm not going to Virgin B. I'm still Flow. Oh, Flow. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Just the ownership has changed. Ownership has changed, but and we're changing locations. Okay, my bad. I'm, I didn't... St I'm still the uh, APD, the assistant program director in Drive Guy and Flow. I'm Flow 93.5. You have... In Toronto here, yeah. You're one of my favorite Twitter followers. And I'll, get, I'll get you out of here on this. You're one of my favorite Twitter followers because whenever there's a live event happening, you have a, a nice, a healthy, a nice portion of sarcasm. <laughs> and I really love your kids stay in school posts. Oh, yes, you yes, have yes, one yes, of those yes, like yes. every day or every <laughs> couple of days where it's just you are amplifying the stupidity of humanity and, and namely... The, the the millennials who do idiotic things dude like, the internet gives us gems oh man gems you just gotta find them yeah but you find them <laughs> like you find like hey kid says whether it's the kid with the tat the the mcdonald's tattoo right on his friggin arm dude the one or, that killed me was the one i tweeted just the other day where there was the university kid on on uh wheel of fortune oh and he had the man. entire word the whole phrase was spelled oh, there was not a man. letter missing I feel so not bad a letter that, missing dude. and he had a million dollars thing plus yeah. a trip to London and he pronounced Achilles wrong. He said Achilles. No, he, no, said, he said H H H, 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 H,
wrong and i was like oh my god Dude, he did it like four times that either that game or that week he he messed up something like the world's fat <laughs> he said the world's fastest Oh, car, car it was the fastest man. man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, there, like, there's, a, there's like one YouTube clip with four of his mistakes from e that game or that week. Dude, and that million like, dollar one stung, though. Oh, man, that dude is just getting murdered out of school. I think it was like Indiana or Illinois or something, <laughs> some t-shirt or some sweatshirt. But that guy, can, he has to, like, he's got to transfer. S stay in school, kids. <laughs> stay in school. This was school for many of our listeners and uh, as always I want to thank you for for your time and the next time we talk um, I don't know if it'll be around like a John Jones fight because I know you're a yeah. huge I mean, you're like my hey there's my a fight MMA. tonight there's a fight tonight well, who's fighting um, the Patrick the, they're doing the oh, Patrick Cote the, the tough finals and then Bisbing and some dude or Kennedy are gonna fight I was like watching Bisbing fight because he's like a he's like my what do you call it like the guy you want to see lose even though oh. he's a great fighter I just like seeing him he's, loose. he's Floyd Mayweather to me for you. Are you hate Floyd? Love I ride for Manny Pacquiao. Ride and, ride and die for that dude. What? Because he's never ducked anybody. And Floyd has just bobbed and weaved and ducked Pacquiao forever. Now we'll never see that fight. Or if we do see the fight, we won't care about it. Oh, you must have cried when Pacquiao I thought he died when, when Marquez, <laughs> Marquez knocked him yeah. out. Yo, we were watching that in Vegas. It was me, Russell, a whole bunch of dudes, and we were watching a fight and and this particular whatever feed we were watching the angle never saw the hit. So all you saw was Manny fall forward, and we were like, somebody shot him. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast.